This is firefighter Raphael Poirier for Firehouse Subs, introducing the new Firehouse Pub Steak Sub with savory steak, crispy fried onions, and our rich Belgian beer cheese sauce. On tap for a limited time. Order yours at firehousesubs.com today. Remember, a portion of every sub you buy helps provide life-saving equipment for first responders. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Limited time only, plus tax. Participating locations. Firehouse Subs will donate a minimum of $1 million in 2018 to Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.13% of every purchase. You're listening to the Fantrax Radio Network. Fantasy Sports lives here. Hello out there and welcome to the Fantasy World Order Fantasy Baseball Podcast presented by the Fantrax Podcast Network. I am Pat Donovan and joining me tonight is Joe Saunders. What's up, what's up? And returning to the podcast, even though he doesn't love you because he's gone, been gone for like a month, that's Nick bullshit. Licatino. I missed two shows. <laughs> News team, assemble! We're back. Nick, are you going to tell everybody that you missed them? When no, they're, when you're, when... I've been here all along. <laughs> You've just been lurking in the background, not speaking. Because <laughs> you're really good at that. Can we start? Wow, Pat's just yes. taking shots yeah. right off the bat. <laughs> I'm like, this is why I don't do the show anymore. This is why. <laughs> you want to know why? This is why. <laughs> All right, we got a great show lined up for you guys tonight. We're going to kick it off with the news and notes. It's a bit light this week, so we're going to kick it off with Byron Buxton, my favorite player to talk about. He, he uh, was on a rehab assignment, but today was activated and optioned. Where does he stand for you guys right now in 12-team redraft? And where does he sit in the grand scheme? Like, next year, where would you think about taking the shot on him as of today? Uh, for me, he starts to become interesting, like, post-110. And that's probably high. And you guys are probably like, oh, my God, that's terrible. But I still do – it's not that I believe the speed he has, the speed. The guy can definitely steal base. It's a matter of can he get on base. And if he does stay down, he's obviously going to make some adjustments and we need to see a swing change. Um, he has a really unbalanced swing and he gets absolutely lost at the plate. He needs to find some more patience. He needs to make a change to his overall swing. And if that helps him get on base, he could be a special player. But I, I, I'm still interested. I'm still interested. He still has the power and the speed. It's crazy how far Buxton and Snow have fallen out of favor. Um, you know, first, first to know now bucks in, um, as far as 12 team redraft right now, he's definitely not ownable. Um, in the grand scheme, I'm a little bit lower than you, Nick, but actually not that low. I think like somewhere in the, the 12th to 14th round in a standard league, I'd probably be going after him maybe a little bit later, but like, so I'm thinking like maybe 150, 160, 170 area, which I probably wouldn't be able to get him. Yeah, I'm actually on board with you, Joe. Like, I think he becomes interesting right around 150, right around the time you start taking your shots. Um, you know, if I could come up with a name to compare him to that's been going in that area, I immediately run to Kevin Kiermeyer, who I think is sort of a similar player, and I've made that um, comparison before in terms of, you know, the, the power, the speed, the batting average isn't great. Um, Kiermeyer obviously was not the touted prospect that Buxton is, but I think at this point you kind of have to reassess Buxton. 
um, at least in the short term, um, and and sort of understand that you know maybe maybe the huge upside will come and maybe it will come to fruition one day. And there is certainly a chance of that. But at this point, we're a thousand plate appearances in. Um, he's got a 230, 285, 387 triple slash. Um, you know, at some point you, you have to kind of walk away from the dream and just, um, you know, you are what you are. And, and I think at this point, I think that we've got to stop trying to project Buxton as like a top 50, top 60 player when he hasn't done anything to warrant it. Okay, let's take a look at some closing situations. Uh, Will Smith has grabbed the last two saves in San Francisco, taking over for Mark Melanson yesterday, who struggled. Willie Peralta has settled in yeah. in Kansas City. <laughs> yeah, we called that one. Yeah, we called that one like four months ago, guys. If you held on and believed, <laughs> right now, baby. Yeah, we meaning me and Joe. <laughs> What? Shane Green <laughs> in, DL, <laughs> in Detroit. Joe Jimenez looks like the next man up, although he, I believe he blew a save today. Um, who do you prefer from this cluster of guys? Well, of course, it's Willie Peralta, man. I'm going down with this shit. We called him. We called him in spring training. I found something interesting. Joey was like, yeah, I kind of like Willie Peralta. And I was like, <laughs> Willie Peralta stinks. You guys are idiots. And then once again, you know, Pat eats crow because Willie Peralta is the guy now. But um, all seriousness, in all seriousness, uh, I like Will Smith the most out of the group. Um, he's a guy that's just been, I think, the most consistent out of the three. And he's could be become really interesting. If he's the guy for the rest of the way, he, he could be like absolutely money. So uh, based on talent alone, I'd say Will Smith, but it's not just talent alone. So I'd actually go with Peralta. Peralta's got no one behind him. But the walks... But he's got no one behind him. I know the walks are really bad. <laughs> I know they are. I, I know they are. And, I know and, they are. And what's like the number one thing you can't do as a closer? Yeah. That's well, you can't, you can't give up homers. Is, yeah, you can't give up homers. I know. But but there's like no one behind him. I know. And Jimenez, Jimenez who, you know, I, I like, but he's not been good at all. He's, he's, he's blown up a couple of times recently. Yeah, he was. He went through a stretch for about a month that where he was great, but the last two weeks he's kind of been, he's kind of lost it again, and, which is sort of the mo on him. And Melanson got the opportunity. I think it was yesterday first, but then he blew it, and Will Smith stepped in. So it's like I'm going with the guy that has absolutely no one behind him in Peralta, but I don't really like anyone out of this group. Peralta's all he's he's gonna hurt your whip a little bit. He's gonna hurt your ERA time to time. I just think Melanson Melanson's gonna well, get a shot again. And it's that and like how many saves is Willie gonna get? That's true. Yeah. I mean the Royals are really bad and they're gonna get it worse. Yeah. Well, I definitely um, like Peralta over Jimenez right now. Yeah, see, I don't know if I agree with that. I think I would rather have both um both Jimenez and Smith over Peralta, just because I think Peralta is such a risk um, in terms of the damage he can do. Smith is my preference because he, at minimum, he's an elite ratio guy. Like he belongs in that class of ownable middle relievers, even if he doesn't have the saves because he's been that good. Um, the guy who I think really benefits from this is um, 
Hunter Strickland. Like, there's a legit shot that Hunter Strickland can get back. And, and being that that's, it, yeah. yeah, he steals it back again because everybody else has been so bad. And, you know, Smith isn't a guy with saves experience, isn't, isn't a guy with closing experience. And while that shouldn't matter, it does matter to Major League Baseball teams. It does matter to, uh, matter to uh, Major League managers. So it might be a situation where Smith keeps the job for another few weeks, but then Strickland comes back and takes the job back. And I think Bochy's got a history of that. Like, he's the type of manager that doesn't like to, um, you know, have a guy lose the job to injury. So I, I think it's Smith is my first choice. But then even then, even then I, like, I have more faith in Detroit to create save opportunities than him than, uh, than Kansas City. So I think I'd rather have Jimenez. And I think Jimenez's skills are better than Peralta as well. So that's how I rank them. Okay, Vince Velasquez took a liner off the arm, x-ray is negative, hit the DL. Any arms that you like to replace him? Keep in mind, Velasquez is 28% owned in 12-team leagues. Um, there's a couple of guys I like. I'm going to start with John Gray, who just got sent down. Um, I think this is a good opportunity to go and buy Gray. The Gray owner could just at this point be frustrated, annoyed, fed up, and may have just dropped him, and he could be available on your waivers. Right now he's 50, uh, under 50% owned. And we all talked about how he was very unlucky this year. And yes, some of the unluckiness is warranted, but uh, a lot of it is not. So uh, I, know I do feel like when Gray does come back up, he's going to continue to get the Ks at this enormous clip that they're already at. So the Ks are there. You're going to get the Ks from him. And if you own Velasquez, that's what he was getting you. So they're kind of similar in that way. Um, and I, I think that his... ERA is going to start evening out, and as well as as well as his whip, and the K to walk is going to be strong as well. So Gray's a guy to watch. Junior Guerra, another guy who um, he started off really good this year. He's kind of gotten a little worse, but he hasn't been that bad lately. And I, I kind of like him as a guy who's going to wind up being like a one point three ish whip, uh, a high threes ERA. He'll get you some Ks. He'll get you some quality starts. Um, a, a good like rotation filler guy. And another guy to look at is Brent Suter. With Suter, he, the league can definitely catch up with him because of the lack of ELO, but the control is so good. He does he not got pummeled tonight. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he gave up a grand slam tonight. Well, and, and that, you know what? Listen, that's fine, but he's not walking guys at all. So the whip is never going to be that bad with this guy. I, I think that no matter how big the ERA is, he'll still maintain a whip like under 1.30. He'll have really good K to walk uh, ratios. And he'll have his games. He's going to be inconsistent, but he'll have his games. The, the, he's very, very low. He's the ownership percentage or percentage ship is extremely there low. There we go. Low, so welcome back. A guy to keep on your radar. Yeah. The three names that I have are Danny Duffy, who's turned around since late May, uh, Nick Pavetta, who needs to be owned still. And actually Steven Matz, I think he's around 40% or ship owned. Um, Matz is interesting because, He's doing Steven Matt's things, but I think owners are worried to own him because they're just waiting for him to get hurt. But while he's pitching, he's doing perfectly fine. So, um, you know, he's worth looking at. Yeah, Matt's, Matt's has those absolute disastrous starts. Time. He does. Dangerous. Yes. All, he those does. All, all three of those guys do. Yeah. Yeah, and everybody at that sort of ownership level is are, are going to. I percentage shit. Percentage shit. <laughs> so, okay, so Carlos Rodon at 26 percentage ship. I'm not going to do this for every one of them. Yovaldi <laughs> at 26, Musgrove at 24, 
they're all comparable assets that may be owned in the in a league um, where Velasquez is owned, but they also might be on the wire. Um, digging a little deeper, Jaime Berea, 20%. Uh, Zach Wheeler, 16%, is on a very nice run uh, uh, for about the last month and a half, um, getting Ks and producing an ERA right around um, the high threes mark. And Max Freed was called up over the weekend, and he had a dynamite start against the Cardinals, and he's just at 4% in 12-team mixers. So um, what do you guys think of Freed, by the way? Have you had a chance to – did you have a chance to see the start? Did you have a chance to dig in on him at all? I actually – I had an eye on him last year. Um, like, you know, and how many how many starts has he had this year so far? Just two. One. two. And what, what was his first start like? It was sort of mediocre, I believe, like nothing special. Pulling it up. Okay. Yeah, lots of walks. It was – Lots of lots of walks. Five innings pitched, four walks, an earned run. Yeah. Six strikeouts. Why is he a stash right now for you, Pat? I'm thinking about it. Like I, he, the profile sort of looks like Sean Newcomb to me. Yeah, I was just gonna say Newcomb, but a little, so a I, little less walks, less walks. For Freed or for Newcomb? For Freed, like they were, like they were up. Um, I think last They're year. They're up big time this year. I think he's up to like five per nine in. Yeah, but, but Joe, you've got the page up. Yeah, in his, he's, in he's his minors, he's more of like a four and a half guy, right, Joe? Yes. Which, but he's but he's been all over the place, like four, four point four seven, three, yeah, five and five and a half, four and a quarter. It's it's kind of all over. Yeah, he's definitely got a lot of Newcomb in him, hundred percent. But I think that Newcomb, I think Newcomb's uh, walks per nine just there. There is no ceiling to how how wild he could be. Where Freed, I think, has a little bit more control. Yeah, I think though the problem is is that Newcomb is further along in the development process, so that's why he's putting it together. Like Freed is probably going to be really interesting next year. Mm-hmm. This year, probably not so much. And it's in like a standard twelve team league. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. He, he's he's a guy that could be a whip bomb, you know, because of the walks, and then, you know, but the the, the K's and the grounders are, are really what attracts me to him. Um, you know, I think his ground ball rate in the minors was well over 50%. Combine that with like the potential for a 10 plus K per nine, the curveball can definitely play. Yeah. I've ever seen it. Yeah. Um, it's a plus pitch. So I, I'm interested. I, I don't know that he's going to have 12 team value, but, um, you know, I would keep an eye on him at minimum because if he can put together a couple of starts, uh, he's worth riding. Okay, and that will bring us to Around the Diamond. And we will start off at the catcher position with John Ryan Murphy. Murphy has shown big-time power, and with Alex Avila on the DL, he seems primed for a larger opportunity. Can Murphy be a sneaky ad at catcher, or is this just small sample noise? Yeah, I kind of like him. Um, I'm not... I think, Pat, you're, like, really crazy about him. Am I correct there or incorrect? No, I'm not really crazy about him. I, I actually – I'm a little disappointed because I thought he was going to see a big uptick in playing time, and he really hasn't. Yeah. Um, you know, I think he's still splitting time with Jeff Mathis, of all people. <laughs> That's not a good sign. Um, but, yeah, I, listen, the thing with him is I think the K rate is going to come down, right? Right now it's at 27%. 
over the last couple of years, it's been a little bit lower. So I think that'll come down to even at around 20, like under 25, which to me is like the magic number. Like if you're under 25, you're okay. Um, and he's, and he's walking a little bit. Um, what I like about him though, is the launch angle right now is at 24.7. So he's definitely swinging for power. The exit below isn't there, but regardless, the launch angle is so high that he's going to keep hitting home runs and he's on a really good lineup. So he'll accumulate some accounting stats. He's been bounced around as far as where he is in the lineup, but when he's at five, when he's at six, it's still a good place to be. So I like him and catcher right now is is kind of crazy so I, I definitely like him as a as an ad yeah so I, i'm glad you mentioned that that launch angle i have that in my notes too um i had it at 24.4 so that was probably like two days ago that was only on 84 84 balls in play though so it's a pretty small sample it is a sweet spot for barrels I just don't know if he really really passes the eye test i know that's pretty cliche but I think it's more of just a hot streak. I mean, the K rate's almost 30%. The BAPIPs, 282. And if everything goes well, he's probably like a 235, 250 hitter the rest of the way. I don't know. I mean, he's he everything looks good, right? He's also pulling about a third of his fly balls and hitting them just under 50% of the time. So, you know, the the results have been good. I just think that... Right, all these statistics are results driven and they're not indicative of the future. Um, so I th- I think it is just a hot streak, an extended hot streak. Yeah, I, I agree with you guys, um, but I, I I am encouraged by by what we've seen. I mean, making a lot of hard contact. He's got the fly balls up. He's obviously got the launch angle up. Those two things go hand in hand. Um, and it's and it has produced some results. The other thing that I think is interesting is that his swinging strike rate is pretty low for a guy with a 26% strikeout rate. He's under 10%. So along with, you know, maybe the results being small sample, there's also the potential that, you know, that K rate will come down over time. And if it does, then suddenly, you know, he keeps the pop, Kerry goes down, and it's not a stretch to see him, you know, climb pretty fast up, you know, a, a, a catcher rankings list, especially given the mess that it is. Um, but the bigger issue is the playing time. I mean, Avia is out. Um, Mathis is still seeing playing time because he's a very good framer and, and defensive catcher. Um I don't think Murphy is bad necessarily. I, 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 my recollection is, is that he's pretty average behind the plate. Um, can he find the playing time is really the question. And, and, can, and, is, and is it going to be enough for him to be relevant? Um, I want to say over this stretch he should. But, you know, it's very easy for him to find his way out of the lineup um, if he starts to struggle. So ride the streak. If he's on the bench, you know, two, three, four days in a row, obviously cut bait. If he's played three out of four or uh, four out of six and he's 0 for 12, 0 for 16, you can move on. But he's also the type of guy that with this profile can put together, you know, two, three homers in a week, um, you know, if he faces some soft matchups. So I, I think that's where he resides. Let's move to first base with Matt Carpenter. Talk about a resurgence 
Carpenter looked absolutely done in April and has come roaring back. We had some doubters on the podcast. What do you guys think now? That I'm stupid. (laughs) Go ahead, Joe. I don't even want to talk about this guy. All right. Tons of barrels. (laughs) 13.3% in ex-Woba of 415. Actual Woba of 370. 50% hard hit rate. Still a ton of fly balls. So he'll be a bit batting average limited. But yeah, in general, I'm an idiot. (laughs) Yeah, this is definitely one for the data. Um, you know, it, 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 it was a situation where Carpenter was still hitting the ball hard and now he's absolutely mashing. Um, he's got a strong hard contact rate, 50 plus percent over the last two months. He's been tearing the cover off the ball. But what lets you know how bad he's been is that he's only just reached the 260 range in batting average. Um, the K rate is up a bit. And includes an increase in swing and strike rate. So that's something to watch. Uh, The projections have him about 260 for the rest of the year in terms of batting average. I would put him closer to 270. I I think the power is enough that he could get up close to 30 bombs. And and I've always thought that he had a 30 homer season in him just based upon his statistical profile since he underwent the swing change. It's a lot of hard contact. It's a lot of fly balls. It's a lot of line drives. Um, And provided health. I, I think that he could get uh, to a 25, 30 homer clip this year. Um, and he's only reached that threshold once uh, rest of the season. I would think I would put Carpenter as 270, 13 bombs, good OBP, um, obviously a productive player, but always in danger of injury. Um, so, I mean, if you wanted to shop him now, I wouldn't be opposed to it given how hot he is. Um, you know, cash out on this hot two months and move on because, you know, he's got that shoulder thing and all it takes is a, is a tweak. And then suddenly he's back to the guy who was in April. So Nick, come on, you have to give us something on Carpenter. You can't just sit this one out entirely after you bash the guy the entire off season. What do you want me to say? I still don't like him. Um... Well, that's fine. You could say that. So we need to get your take. <laughs> My take is he's on a hot streak. It's obviously going to cool down. I say sell him high right now. Go and buy Francisco Lindor, who just hit another home run. The greatest. You're an um, idiot. No, but seriously, he's just boring, and he's going to level out and be the guy he always has been, which is a mediocre average, mediocre home runs, and Pat's favorite player of all time. So that, therefore, I hate him by default. <laughs> All right, let's move it to another Matt, Matt Duffy. After missing out on all of last year, Duffy has responded this year with a 10 homer, 10 steal pace, a 300 plus average. While 10 10 wins is one of our favorite sayings, and it's not the sort of profile that usually plays in 12 team mixers. Do you think there's some upside for more based on what we've seen, or is he strictly a deep league play? God, I, I, I want to root for him. I want to say yes, because if you're not a Rays fan right now, then you are not watching baseball. Because this team is just the friggin' best and the most fun to watch. Um, somehow they're winning ball games, and it's just, they're just, night in, night out, they're just really fun to watch. But as far as, Duff, as, far as Duffy goes, um, yeah, I'm not buying it, unfortunately. Uh, I don't think the power sticks at all. He's just not a power guy, nor has he ever been. If you look at the stat cast as well, he's well, well, well below league average and launch angle, just 5.9. And 
and um, below league average and exit velo as well. Um, right now, there seems to be some magic going on in Tampa Bay. So, you know, he may continue to get on base at a good clip. Right now, the 365 OBP is really nice. He does have a 380 Babbitt. So the batting average is definitely going to come down. But I think he does continue to get on base. And I think he does continue to be valuable, but not at this clip. I, I, at this clip, I don't think he's going to wind up being like a 2020 guy. Um, I think he'll even out and wind up being around like, you know, 15-ish, 15-ish. Not oh, much, the, not much, so? not much the rest of the way at all. Um, but I think Nick he'll, thinks he's at ten ten as opposed to pacing out at ten ten. No, he's at four six right now, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I so I, I think he can go fifteen fifteen. Oh, I think he can go like eleven ten. Maybe? Joe, that's not that's not that far off to be making the noise you just made. <laughs> no, I know, but like 15, 15, I don't know. It seems high for Duffy. I well, mean, that's why I said I think he he can go 15, 15 ish. I guess, I guess the the comp I really have here though is like, isn't he a like a poor man's DJ LeMahieu? No. Well, yes, right? No. Because LeMahieu is on pace to put up power numbers. That no, he's never done Duffy before. Du- Duffy is hitting three twenty one with a three eighty Babbitt. I understand. Uh, that. is hitting 380 with a 380 bad. That's why I said, isn't he a poor man's <laughs> All right, fine, or DJ LeMayhew? Fine. Don't talk bad about DJ LeMayhew, Joe. Yeah, Joe. You know I bet. I put money on that DJ every goddamn year. <laughs> I'm going to be broke. I'm going to be broke. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I'm with you for the most part, though. I, I, I would. He's only ownable in, like, really deep leagues. Yeah, I agree. I, I I don't think that he's got any more upside beyond what Nick said. Uh, it's a grounders heavy profile. It's certainly useful for batting average, though. I mean, if you're looking for a guy that's not going to kill you anywhere and prop up your batting average, uh, you know, as like an MI or even, you know, if you were scratching the bottom of the barrel at second base, um, I, I think that Duffy could be useful there and for that purpose. Um, kind of yeah. like DJ LeMayhew. Yeah, kind of like <laughs> DJ LeMayhew. And Duffy's kind of Duffy's kind of like oh, got a weird profile right now. I mean, you know, the Rays' offense has been pretty good, surprisingly good, and his counting numbers just aren't there. Um, yeah. And he's sitting at the top of that lineup. So I was really surprised to see that he wasn't on like at least a decent run pace or at least a decent RBI pace. Um, I don't know what's going on there. Uh, but I imagine it's somewhat fluky. Um, you know, I, I, I think that like you're looking at like high single digits, high single digits in terms of power and speed the rest of the way, maybe like a 300 batting average, because I think that is in his skill set. Um, and I think he could, you know, put up maybe like 40 runs uh, in the second half. It's not a great profile. It's not exciting, but I do think it has utility in deeper leagues. Yeah, so with the third base, we're going to talk about Jake Lamb. Injured for a good part of the year, Lamb has been mostly unremarkable since returning. Are you thinking about a buy low because the power surge is inevitable? Or are you silent on the Lamb? Ooh, I like that. Nice one. Um, I I, I would say buy low. It it depends on how low. It depends on the price. Um, Well, I mean, I don't think anybody could charge you anything that that exorbitant, right? I mean... No, but let's say... say you know what the easy way to do it? If he's a free agent, how much fab? Um, how, how much of your money would you spend percentage-wise, Pat? 
Um, if you needed the power, like if he fit the bill for something. Yeah, if needed. I had the need. I don't know. Um, let's 5%, say percent, maybe. I was gonna say ten percent. Okay, so I, I'd go up to about fifteen percent, just because he is such a reliable source of power. And if you're in an OBP league, he also gets an added boost because he walks. Um, I, I listen. I've always liked Lamb. I liked Lamb in 2013, the first year we've ever done, did the podcast, when he was apparently a different player. When it wasn't Jake Lamb, I always have to hear that from stupid bat. Um, but but yeah, I, listen. I like so Lamb. Much animosity today. <laughs> hey, I've been gone for a while. Yeah, yeah I know. Really, yeah, you guys have to it out. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've always been. Like I said, I've always been a fan of Lamb, and the the team is good. He'll get the counting stats. He'll get the pop. Um, kind of reminds me of Jay Bruce in a lot of ways, um, as far as the batting average pop and steals go. Um, so I like him. Yeah. So I actually have at the end of my notes here that I'd only consider adding him if he was dropped or if I thought he was going to get hot. Um, there's bad signs all over the place. The barrels are at 7.6%. The launch angle is at 5.8 degrees. The exit velo at 88.6 miles an hour. He's also up to 48.6% ground balls which is really going to hurt the home run pace. But that's, that's, don't you think that's all associated with the injury, Joe? It we- could be. It certainly could be. But he's also a notoriously bad second-half hitter. I mean, granted, he's not. he hasn't played in the first half as much. Um, and to your point, right, I think in his last 10 games, he's batting like 340 with a home run or so. I don't know. I just think that there's more to it. Chase Field hurts him. New Chase Field hurts him, too. Humidor Chase Field, so... I don't know. I wouldn't be going out to actively try and get him. Yeah, the ISO is down. The power pace is down. He's on like a – if you if you paced him out for a full year, he'd be at about 24 homers. Um, but it, it's not just the home park. As Joe mentioned, the batted ball mix has shifted more towards grounders. Um, you have to wonder if the injury is still affecting him. I wouldn't be surprised if it is. Um but even with that said, even with the fact that the ballpark is what it is right now, which is a park that went from an average park for lefty power to one that's below average, um, the, I think the power outburst is going to come. So if that is your need and you have an open spot at third base, I don't mind the buy low because I imagine he's going to have a month um, you know, over the course of the next couple where he goes on a tear and hits, you know, eight, nine, ten homers in a month. Um, I can definitely see that coming. It's just, you know, what is the rest of it going to be like? Is it going to be what we've seen from him in the second half in recent years? Um, I tend to doubt that. I think that um, he he will get hot, and I, and I think he'll be serviceable. I just don't think he's going to be outstanding. Um, so, I mean, if I was, you know, if I was ballparking him for the rest of the year, I'd say, like, top 150 does that does that sound about right to you guys or are you um, a, little, a little bit lower yeah i'm lower than that rest of way i, I would you know what it's it's a i'd say right around that number not much higher not much lower okay joe where would you have him like around 200 uh yeah probably like 180 190 okay all right yeah but not not so far removed right so like that's the difference of like two or three homers sure okay all right, Chris Taylor. We all really like Taylor coming into the year, but he got off to a bit of a slow start like most of the Dodgers, and he's quietly dug himself out. Does he find his way into the top 10 at shortstop before the end of the year? And what do you think his second half looks like? Uh, 
yeah, I do think he gets into the top 10 at shortstop before the end of the year. And as far as the second half goes, I think he's going to be kind of what we thought he was going to be, which, I mean, I had him, I think your, your projections are maybe a little bit higher, Pat, but I had him at like being a 2020 guy with like a 270-ish average. No, you were know. higher than me then. I had him like 2015, 270. 2015, 270. Okay. Well, still, we're not, we're not far away from Same ballpark, yep. Um, so, uh, so I've watched a lot of Taylor this year as a Taylor owner in our home league. Um, and nothing's changed for me from last year. I think he had a little bit of bad luck to start the year, and the Dodgers were just absolutely awful to start the year, but they were all starting to come out of it. And when he bats leadoff on that team, there are runs to be had. The one good thing right now is he has 48 runs scored. Um, so he could definitely eclipse 100, which, I mean, that's, that's money right there. If he gets over 100 runs, that's very, very valuable in fantasy. Uh, but he's also getting RBIs as well. Uh, with 30. So this is a guy who could potentially go 100 runs scored, close to 60, 65-ish RBIs. Those are good numbers. I think the steals will come too. He was a little bit hobbled recently, so um, the steals have been down. But uh, he's definitely got to keep on your radar, and I like the buy low right now. I would go out and try and get Taylor, if you, especially if you need runs. Was it a lower body injury? Uh, I believe – I'll double-check for you while you, while you talk. All right, because that's the, actually the biggest concern I have, right? Um, I, was, I was actually a high man out of the three of us on Taylor, um, specifically because of the run potential, um, which I think will, will be fine because now that he's hitting and the rest of the Dodgers are hitting. It's just the steals. He's only three for eight this year. Hamstring. Okay. All right, that makes, that makes it uh, explainable, right? Because three for eight is not good at all. So mm. if he can get on track on the steals – um, I think, yeah, it'll be Chris Taylor exactly kind of like what we expected for the most part. Yeah, I think top 10 is a little difficult. There's a lot of bodies, um, a lot of productive bodies at the position, which is a bit unexpected. Um, but I, I'm a believer in Taylor, too, like the rest of the podcast. And with his steady climb, he's sort of in the ballpark of what I expected, um, not he's, he's, he hasn't been great. He's not where exactly where I expected him to be, but he's not so far removed from it that I don't think he can reach those levels in the second half. Um, you know, he's close to that 20 homer pace. He struggled a little bit on the base pass, but as you guys outlined, he's got a reason for it. So maybe the hamstring gets healthy. Uh, he starts to run. The one thing I am concerned with though is, um, I believe against right-handed pitching, they've moved him down in the lineup. Um, They've started hitting him sixth, seventh. I know he's hitting seventh tonight against Nick Kingham, who's a righty. Um, Part of Taylor's upside and value was the idea that he was going to hit at the top of the lineup. Mm. Um, Now, you know, if Jock Peterson slows his role as he's been known to do, uh, it's very easy to see a path where – Taylor gets back up to the top of that lineup. So I'm not panicking over it, but it is something that you have to keep in mind because that's part of what you were really factoring into his value was potential for 100 runs. Um, And while he'll make up for some of those lost runs with RBIs, he won't do it at, you know, an equivalent pace hitting seventh. So that's something you need to keep your eye on at least. That's an excellent observation. So, so far this year versus lefties, he's got 91 or 107 at, uh, plate appearances, and he scored 13 runs. Versus versus righties, he's at 228 plate appearances, so just about double, and he's only got 17 runs. And 
the on-base percentages are very close, um, it, both against lefties and righties. So, yeah, I mean, just just it just goes to show you how shifting down in the lineup has a huge impact on your run total. Yeah, and he's not a guy that really carries a big platoon split, to my mind. He's not. So, I mean, he's – it's not like, again, it's impossible to see him get back up there full-time. I just think he needs – some of the other pieces around him to slow down a little bit and then he gets back up to the top. And maybe part of that is he, you know, the hamstring gets healthy and, you know, Robert says, I want this guy to run a bit and, you know, create some offense once guys start to cool. And then he's back at the leadoff spot. So possible, but it is something to keep an eye on. All right. Will Myers back off the DL after a long layoff. Um, he's come back. He's been some of the mixed bag. He was pretty hot over the weekend. Are you sending out feelers or are you staying away? Um, I'm definitely sending out feelers. You know how much I love Will Myers. Um, last year, 30-20. Year before that, 28-28. What's not to like? I know Pat's not a big fan. It's not his type of player. Um, but I definitely am. I think the Padres lineup is better than what people thought it would be uh, uh, in spring training. You've got guys who can get on base. You've got guys who can I love score. how you can't even say that. Yes. As well as I could, but it's, it's hard. Because then you're looking at the, you're looking at like five through nine and it's just like, but, um, you're getting good production from Jankowski and you've got Margot, I guess. And uh, Eric Hosmer and Renfro, uh, who I'm a fan of both of them. But, yeah, no, listen, I, I, I like Will Myers. He fills a lot of needs. If you need pop, he's got it. If you need power, he's, if you need speed, he's got it. Um, as far as OBP, he does walk a good amount. Um, but the batting average is going to kind of be up and down. I think at the end of the day, he's going to be a 255, right around 255-ish hitter. And it's going to come with really good pop and speed totals. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan. We're about to get him back in our league, guys, in our dynasty league. Are you excited? Are we excited? <laughs> Man, no. I'd just like to mention, I can't believe the Padres signed Eric Hosmer for eight years. Yeah, it's crazy. It's going to be so bad. Um, as far as Myers go goes, I'm staying away, not because of the talent, especially with Nick. I think he can still – I think even even right now he's pacing out for a 2020 season. I mean, granted, it's only like 19 or 20 games. It's like six at-bats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I think it's just – it would be tough to grab him as – Players that have drafted him likely had to pay a fairly expensive price to get him and are still banking on good Myers when he's healthy. Um, so in that case, I'm not interested. Also, couple that with the fact that in the years when he's gotten hurt like this, he's just been – he just hasn't been able to stay on the field and put it together. So I think that's just going to be another one of those seasons. It's just going to be a lost season. Yeah, I echo Joe here. I'm staying away because of the injury risk. And I imagine the discount won't be that great on him because whoever drafted him or had him has absorbed all of that missed time. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I don't know that the discount that I would want is going to be there because I I need that discount because there is such a risk of injury when it comes to Myers. And, um, you know, the, the injury was one that's, that's that that can recur um, that can easily come back and affect him again. And, you know, and even as far as what I've seen, I, I just, 
I just don't know that I'm crazy about it. I mean, the grounders are back up. He's got a one and a half ground ball to fly ball ratio. The swinging strike rate is over 13%. Again, all small samples. Um, you know, grounders might increase the Babbitt, but it's not good for power. Um, and that swinging strike rate is underscored by a huge jump in chase rate. Again, really, really small sample. So, like, you can't freak out over it. But to me, I'd rather chase an asset that's healthier, um, that's in a better situation, um, or, or even one of those two. I mean, that's the other thing you have to keep in mind. This is the Padres. And as much as Nick likes them and loves them and thinks that their lineup is somehow underrated, despite the fact that it's really not good. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like, like, all right, so I'm taking on an injury risk. I'm taking on um, a guy that runs very hot and cold to begin with. And I'm taking on a guy that's in one of the worst lineups in baseball. I think I can do better than that for what he'll cost me. The other problem is, too, the Myers owner waited this long for him to finally come back. And uh, it, it would still probably cost a pretty, uh, a pretty decent penny to, to acquire him via trade. Okay, so all three of us said the same exact thing. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, no, we're, well, let me, we're, we're higher. I'm yeah, higher. I, I was about to say, like, there's different levels, which, which I was going to ask Nick if he can give me a player that he would give up for Myers. Um, be it a yeah. starting pitcher or another hitter. So let's, you know what? I'll tell you the truth. Chris Taylor enters the realm of possibility for me. Yeah, it's, 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 I, I can see that. I think he's on that um, that level, and it depends on it depends on need, um, and maybe a I want to say like a DD Gregorius. It's just that the position makes him a little stronger, but I think I think th- that that cluster like the DD Taylor. Um, I can't think of someone else in that range, but those kind of guys are guys that I would I would field for uh for Myers okay I think that's actually a fair range yeah yeah I think so too I don't think I'd give up ZD but I think Taylor is about right um in terms of you know give okay Nick Markakis I think it's time to check back in the power surge has subsided but Markakis is a quality asset according to the rankings algorithms what do you see for Marcakis for the rest of the year? And give me your bottom line, last outfielder you would trade for him. Uh, and you can do it with a sweetener to make it even, even but you have to name the sweetener. Um, all right, Joe, you go first. Okay, so uh, just 3% of barrels and an average launch angle of 9 degrees. He's always been able to handle the bat well. And I think with some protection around him, he's really striving. I just don't expect much left in the way of way of power but i do think he can hit 300 the rest of the way um as far as who i trade him for we're just going to play a game i have a bunch of uh different outfielders um and their espn player rater ranks versus markakis who's number nine on the player rater right now so cool. i was hoping you would do this okay perfect so markakis or david peralta who's number 29 i want peralta i want peralta okay so do i Marcakis or Ian Desmond, who's at 31. Desmond. Remember his 17 home runs. Desmond. <sighs> Give me Marcakis, actually. Wow. What? You're nuts. Des- Desmond could 
potentially be, you know, out of playing time. That's I know. I think that's that, what, that profile is a mess. I know. I but, know that the production has been there, but it is. It's like the John Lester of hitting. Tra- traditional Nick Markakis is unrosterable. Like, uh, come on. Come on. Take the upside in Desmond. Yeah, I'd still rather have Desmond, too. All right. I got more. I got more. I so, Markakis is nine. Kemp at 32. Kemp. No, Matt Kemp. Kemp. Easy. All right. Nimmo at 36. Nimmo, not Nimmo even. Nimmo all the way. All right. PR at 43. Nah, Markakis. Um, I can't believe that we're discussing Nick Markakis like this right now. In the body He's of like um, a top 20 player. Wait, we're gonna, I know. No, I know. I know. more. It's, it's just funny. Um, I, I'm going there. I'm probably going with Markakis as well. I hate, hate to keep agreeing with that. But go ahead. Okay. I think I'm taking, I think I'm still taking Pilar. All right, what about uh, Teoscar at 48? Ooh, I do like Teoscar. Statcast darling Teoscar. That one's tough. All right, if I got to win right now, if I got to win right now, I think I'm going with Marcakis right now. But I like the upside way better than Teoscar. Okay, I got one more. So this is we're approaching the fiftieth ranked player. Fiftieth ranked outfielder, excuse me. Joey Gallo at forty nine. Oh come on. Joe. Yeah. All right, show's over. Okay. Here. Wait a second. Wait a second. So what I what I think we just demonstrated though is most of these guys we'd rather have over Marcakis still. Yes. Yeah. So, I think so, so. So more than likely, right? If you own Marcakis, you just gotta sit tight and ride it out. Yeah, you can, you could. You're, you're not never, gonna get much. Even if even if a month ago when Marcakis was Babe Ruth, you're still wearing <laughs> it. It's 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 Nick Marcakis. Nick uh, Nick Marcakis. All right, I have a question. Well, one more guy, Ian Happ. Ian Happ or Marcakis? Hmm. Ian Happ's done all right. What's he got? Like nine six. Power speed? Yeah, and he's like 240, even though he's striking out. Yeah, but that's ex- that's like exactly what we pegged him for. Yeah. I mean, he's got it. Well, we didn't, we didn't yeah. peg him for that bad of a strikeout rate. But. Sure, but 240 is 240. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. So who is it? Happ or Marcakis for you guys? I'm going with Happ. Give me Marcakis because he's got the oh, long yeah. Give me the upside still. I'm still yeah. on the upside train. Me too. I, I, I do think we are selling – the Marquez situation a little bit short. Now I do understand that there is no reasonable basis to believe that there's any sort of category juice there in terms of either power or speed. You know, like you're looking at like seven or eight homers the rest of the way. I, I get that, but he has a profile to support a 300 average. Like I, yeah, I think totally. he can do that. Hundred yeah. percent. Right, and he's. In a really good lineup. Really good lineup. Um, oh, you called that one. It. Oh, <laughs> my God. Yes. The lineup is oh, good. And man. it's probably going to get better. Um, Acuna now is back. And I imagine they're going to add somebody who's like a warm body at third base at some point. Yeah, I, I do not think they're going to continue to roll Carmargo out there. Um I- so I, I, 
I do think the counting production should be pretty good. And I think that's what we're missing in this, in this analysis is that like, if he does hit 300 and he does hit like eight home runs the rest of the way, but it comes with like, like a 90 RBI plus runs pace. He's still going to be pretty valuable. And he's going to exceed a lot of those high-risk assets. And he's going to provide something a lot of players don't provide, which is the batting average. I hate to keep going back to that because, I mean, we talked about it with Duffy too, but it's the truth. Like, there are just not a lot of guys out of there that, like, can give you a batting average these days. And that's what's always kept him, like, fantasy relevant. He's been waiver wire. Well, no, he hasn't been fantasy relevant. Yeah, since, like, 20. 12. Since like 12, yeah. I don't know about that. I think in 12 team leagues, his his percentage over the last five years probably averages out about 20. I think he's been owned. Nah, I think you're crazy. But nah, the Orioles. Yeah. All right, okay. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I, I, I am wrong. But like I said, but Pat is right though. The, the average has always been good, and the Orioles were better at one point. And so, and he was getting good counting stats. I remember he was like an 80, 80 guy year after year. So I don't know. I think he was rosterable. I think the, per- the percentage ship was high. But Well, there okay. was a time where people thought Mark Akis was going to be something more than what he was. Um, you know, yes, to, to, bring, long to, time to bring it back, but to bring it back to bring back to Buxton almost it's not that Mark Akis was ever the prospect that Buxton was, but, he he, there was this moment in time where people thought Mark Akis was going to either develop some more power or he was going to hit you know batting like batting average title after batting average title type type of seasons and he just became like a you know a a, a two win outfielder and it's just not very sexy but he's. I think that might have carried his ownership at, at at that time during those times in those later Orioles years, but he's. <laughs> I think I think I think that run production does sway him up the ladder a little bit more than people might give him credit for. That's fair, us included, probably. Yeah, yeah, and, and I tried to account for that. I mean, I, I took him over Ian Desmond, despite the fact that. Ian Desmond is Mr. Category Juice. And the reasoning is very simple. Like, I think Mark Akis has a reasonable chance to continue doing what he's doing. Um, you know, maybe not as much on the batting average, but I give Ian Desmond, like, again, like John Lester's chance of, like, continuing to do this because it's just, it doesn't make any sense. Pitcher of the month, John Lester. Yeah, pitcher of the month, John Lester. Wait, so the one thing I'd like to add, Nick, you mentioned this too uh, about how if you were winning right now, or or if you needed to win, you'd roll Marquecas. Yeah, I think it's actually like kind of the opposite for me. I think if I was in first place with Marquecas or in the top with Marquecas, I feel really comfortable just rolling him out every day. If I needed to claw back, I'd chase the upside in in like someone like Hap or or Nimmo, so on. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I can agree with that definitely. 
All right. Well, speaking of Brandon Nimmo, let's talk about a high upside young outfielder, Austin Meadows, who we have 100 plate appearances. What have you seen from Meadows in those 100 plate appearances? And has anything you've seen changed your opinion from when the year began? Um, yeah. So for me, it, my opinion has changed on the guy. I think he's actually going to wind up being a very, very, very good player. As far as eye test goes, the the Pirates are just filled with guys who pass the eye test. Like Moran, Bell, Meadows. Like these guys look like they're going to be really, really good, especially Moran. I, I think the Pirates are going to be a special team in a couple of years. I don't know if you guys agree with that, but I see a lot in Moran. I see a lot in, in – You uh, mean – you mean my boy, Colin Moran? Yeah. You, yes, you were on him. Yes, and I'm on him now, too. I never disliked him. Just relax, Pat. The swing is nice. Yeah, the swing is nice. The swing is definitely nice. As far as Meadows goes, he's another guy. Really, really nice swing. Um, exit velos just above uh, uh, league average. Um, launch angle is just above league average. Uh, he's got the speed. Uh, this lineup, he can definitely uh, stick at the top of it once he makes his way there. Um, and I like him. The OBP right now is 353. The average is going to come down a little bit from 317. I see him evening out like a uh, to be like a 280 ish hitter, which is definitely valuable. Um, but rest of the way, I like him. I think he's going to get somewhere around uh, where I said Duffy would be 15, 15 ish uh, with a nice, healthy average. Yeah, I mean the pop. The pop's exciting with the 215 ISO in in 130 at bats or plate appearances. Um, I think it's I think it's likely due to the fact that he's coming into the juiced ball environment. Um, other than that, I think it's been mostly what I expected from Meadows. And as long as he can stay healthy and play every day, he's definitely going to be a mixed league asset the rest of the way and should continue to pace out for like 2020 type numbers. Yeah, I mean, as Joe, as Joe hinted at, it, it, it's super interesting that Meadows sort of became what the prospect pedigree laid him out to be that he never really got to in the upper levels of the minors. Like he's been a, he's long been a prospect that came with some hype and there wasn't a lot of substance there um, either because of injury or, or just the sheer lack of production. But, you know, June wasn't as kind as May. His K rate was up. Um, He went from single digits to 25%. Um, He's also undergone a shift in batted balls uh, after a few weeks of putting a ball in the air at a one-to-one ratio, the grounders have started to catch up with him a little bit more. Um, oh. That's not all bad. Okay, Nick. I you didn't need to be that frustrated about Austin Meadows. Um, no, I'm watching <laughs> I know what you're doing. Sorry. <laughs> um, it allows him to use his athleticism to get on base more via infield hits. And ground balls, you know, obviously better for Babbitt than fly balls. Um, so it's a mixed bag. He has changed my mind a little bit, though. Um, Joe and I own him in a dynasty league. We were throwing out feelers. We were actively trying to move him because of the injury history. We couldn't find any takers before the year began. Um, but now I see him sort of what I, as of what I was expecting, um, you know, at least in the long term, which is, you know, like a 15, 20 homer type bat um, in terms of the power. And I, and I think the power in – in later years could progress even, even further. I mean, he's got a very strong lower half. Um, I think it's built for power if he decides to go that way. So in the short term, you know, next couple of years, 15, 20 homers, um, the athleticism, the skill, 20, 25 bags, 
and you know, sort of like a Starling Marte-ish profile in terms of like the batting average on base combo. I don't think the on base percentage is ever going to be great, but I expect him to be a plus Babbitt guy. So I think he's going to hit around 275, 280. And that's a really, really nice player. And he's going to hit towards the top of the lineup. I mean, he's already hitting there. So I, I think that he's a really nice asset and was a really nice get for teams probably on the cheap because the prospect shine had sort of worn off and, you know, he's delivered thus far. And, you know, to an extent, I expect it to continue. All right, let's talk about Scott Shebler. Um, last week, I talked about Jesse Winker and his potential. But assuming the Reds move on from Hamilton and or Duvall, Shebler seems likely to see an uptick in playing time, just like Winker. What do you make of his outlook? Yeah, Shebler is really interesting. He gets to play time, obviously, for the power upside. Um, he's a guy that doesn't strike out much for a big-time power hitter with a low average. So I think there's some upside as far as the uh, the batting average goes. Uh, 2017, when he hit the 30 home runs and batted 233, he had a 248 Babbitt um, and only a 23.5% uh, K rate. So I think he's a guy who, at some point, let, you know what, next year he could very well go like 30 – Five home runs, two fifty something ish average. Very another guy that's kind of Jay Bruce esque, and I think he'll be that way for the rest of the year. I like him. He's got major power. The exit velocity is like ninety one miles per hour. That the angle's high. He he's a monster. Yeah, the, the thing that I never noticed about Shebler is that he's actually got reverse platoon splits. He's doing an excellent job against lefties, and he has his whole career. I always thought, you know, him being the lefty, he wouldn't handle lefties that well. Um, as far as this year, he's dropping the strikeouts, keeping the ISO in a good spot around 200, cut the pop-ups in half, increase the hard contact rate. I mean, there's a lot to like here. And with playing time, he'll probably end up with like 25 or 30 home runs, five or so steals and around a 265 average, Nick, like you said. So he's not useless. He's not exciting. Kind of just good fantasy production. Yeah, there, there are a couple of minor changes here that are very interesting. The strikeout rates down a few ticks. The BABIP is up big time, 75 to 80 points over last year. The ground balls are up. The line drives are slightly up. As Joe mentioned, hard contact is up. Uh, it looks like to me that Shevler's sort of adjusted his game from last year um, where he was like a 240, 30 homer type profile. And I think with what he is now, he's more of a 25 homer bat, but I think the average could tick up as high as like 270. Um, you know, I do worry the strikeout rate has some potential to climb. He is carrying a pretty big swinging strike rate at 15%. Um, and you also have to wonder if he's the guy that's going to move. Um, you know, we, there is no guarantee that, you know, Duvall goes and he stays. I think the only one that's definitely gone is, is Hamilton. Um, and if he does get moved, he might just be a platoon bat. Um, you know, and as Joe mentioned, I mean, like he might hit lefties well, but that doesn't mean that's going to mat matter to whatever place he goes to. They might turn around and say, well, you're a lefty. You're going to hit against righties. And that's it. Um, I did like Shoveler coming to the year. I, I thought that this Cincinnati outfield was super interesting in terms of the pieces that they had. And uh, as the playing time logjam clears, as I said for Winker last last week, I, I think that all whoever remains is going to be an extremely interesting pickup um, coming down the stretch. 
because the ballpark is good. The lineup is actually very good, at least in the middle. Um, and that is likely to continue because Votto isn't going anywhere. Suarez isn't going anywhere. And, and Scooter Jeanette has one more year left. Um, so there is the potential that they just decide to hold on to him if they don't get blown away. So I think Shubler is like a 12-team bench guy. I think he's an ideal outfielder to keep on your bench. Uh, you know, maybe platoon him, play him at home. Um, because Great American is so good for power. Um, he's been hitting in the leadoff spot, which is presents him with some pretty big time upside. I don't know if he stays there given the fact that Jesse Winker gets on base like got like a six hundred OBP clip. <laughs> so I think eventually Jesse Winker yeah. finds his way up there. But yeah. um you know, I do think Shebler is an interesting piece, and I do think that he uh, he should be owned in 12-team mixers. You should be able to find a spot for him, at least on one team. Okay, let's move it to the pitchers. We're going to talk about Dallas Keuchel, former Cy Young winner. Keuchel looks like the weak link of the Astros rotation. What do you make of his season so far, and would you rather have Keuchel or fellow struggling soft-tossing lefty – oh, excuse me, he's not a lefty – struggling soft-tosser – Kyle Hendricks. Okay, Joe. So, for Keuchel, it's easy. He's always been prone to giving up home runs when the ball's in the air, obviously. And the two years since the Cy Young season, when he was under 60% ground ball rates, he had ERAs over four. He's currently the 101st starting pitcher on the ESPN Player Raider. And in Kato Walk Leagues, he's, he drops down to 150-plus. He's my boy. And he's been a great Astro, but in general, when he's on, he's on. But with the strikeout stuff, he's got to rely on Bapit Block, and it's tough to ask for every day. It's why I hate the pick so much coming in. And if he's not giving you the ERA, he's pretty much useless in fantasy. He's sort of like the Billy Hamilton of pitchers. So, Pat, Pat, convince me why either Keuchel or Hendricks can turn this around. Well, I don't have a lot... On Hendricks, but let me go into Keuchel first. Um, I'm not out, but I'm not. I'm not actively buying either on Keuchel. The grounders have dissipated. Um, you know, going from sixty plus percent to fifty four percent. The BABIP at three hundred one. Um, you know, he's historically had better than that. It's not egregious. Um, you know, it's not like an obvious outlier where he's given up like a 350 Babbitt. Um, but the contact authority is roughly the same as what it's been. So it's kind of tough to turn around and say, well, the Babbitt's not going to regress a little bit. Um, it does make me think there is some bounce back potential there. But the loss of the grounders is concerning. Um, he's gone from, you know, league leading ground ball rate. To very, very good. Um, and I don't know that's going to come back. He seems to be moving away from that approach. Um, you know, without that, I think he's like a 3-7 guy with 7Ks for 9, which is an okay back of the rotation arm, but it's not special. So if I can get him for bottom dollar price, I guess I'm buying him. If somebody wants me to pay... Um, you know, like Keiko was going as like, what, like a top 25 starter before the year began. So like yeah. somebody willing to sell at a discount would be like a top 40 starter. 
I'm not buying at that price. Like it would have to be like a top 50, top 55 type price. And I don't think you can get them for that. Um, as far as Hendrix goes, uh, it's kind of similar. Um, you know, the ground ball rate uh, has gone down a little bit. The, I, I, I think that I have a little more confidence in Hendrix going forward because we've sort of seen him go through these like cold stretches and then, you know, like the, the light goes off and he picks it up and goes on, uh, you know, like a two month tear where nobody notices. And then he ends up at the end of the year with like a sub three, three ERA and a a great whip and, you know, a K per nine right around eight. And that's, that's really like the difference between Keuchel and Hendricks in my mind is like Keuchel is a pitcher. I feel like, hasn't when he struggles, it seems like he struggles all year uh, it, when he's great. It seems like he's great all year. Hendricks is more prone to ups and downs. And I think that Hendricks has a little bit more um, margin for error than Keiko does because he gets, you know, a few more K's. I think, um, you know, he's in the NL. So like he doesn't have to face the DH. So I, when comparing the two, like, I think I would pay like a top, 40 price right now for Kyle Hendricks. I could even like stretch it to like a, maybe like a top 35 starting pitcher price. I don't think I'm anywhere near that in terms of Keiko. All right, Nick, I'm really interested to hear what you say. Cause I'm, I'm like, well, I was completely out on Keiko before. Actually I was out on both of these guys. So, so maybe you can try and convince me, but there's no way I'd spend anywhere close to a 40 top 40 asset, top, top 40 pitcher on Hendricks. All right. So yeah, I just want to clarify that was the top 40 starting pitcher. Yeah, I well, would not. Okay. Well, how about this? What did I buy Kendricks for two weeks ago? Does anyone remember that trade? No. Pat, do you remember? Um, it was a closer. It was Brendan Morrow. Okay. So I traded Morrow, who is who arguably. Can't, can't put on pants. What was that? Mr. Who pants. Who can't put on pants. Who can't put on pants. Um, so, yeah, so I traded Morrow for. Hendricks, which I think is actually a pretty even deal. And I think Morrow is right around that line of what I would pay for Hendricks. Um, and I probably would have paid even a little bit more because I'm just a really big fan of Hendricks. I know, Pat, you are too. Um, the guy has been an absolute ace as far as ERA goes over the last couple of years. And in this climate, a guy that could get you a sub three ERA is extremely valuable. Now, look, this year he's off to a really bad start. But really just the last like month, he started off okay. But as of late, he's been really bad. I think he's going to get back on track. Uh, I don't see any reason why he won't. The walks are up a little bit. They're going to come back down to right around like, you know, two, four, five, two, five. Um, and once that happens, I think everything else will come down. Uh, right now, the home runs per nine are way up 1.57. That is so much higher than any other year he's ever had in his, in his entire career. That's going to come way down. Um, so I'm definitely buying Hendricks. I think he's a great, 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 great buy low. Uh, hope if you're watching him that he has like one more blow up start. Don't get scared. Go right in and buy him after that because we have the all star break coming. And after that, this guy's going to go on a tear. He's going to be awesome. Um, so I'm definitely buying Hendricks over Keichel. I've never been a big fan of Keichel. For me, he's just too inconsistent. And Pat's right. You nailed it where like he doesn't have um, inconsistencies within the year, he has inconsistencies year to year. So this could just be a down year. And I think that's what we're going to see from him. So I'm out. 
Hendricks, I think, has all the tools and everything in his repertoire to come back and be fine the rest of the way. Where Keiko, I'm just worried. He's all over the place. I'm not a big believer in this stuff, nor have I ever been. So Hendricks all the way. Would you rather have Kyle Gibson or, or either of the two of them? I'd rather have Hendricks over Gibson. I'd definitely rather have Hendricks over Gibson. Um, Keuchel, it's close. I'd rather have I'd rather have Keuchel because I think I could sell Keuchel for more via trade as a sweetener. Or in general, he's just always going to have more valuable than – he's going to be more valuable than, uh, than Gibson. He's just got the name power. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um yeah, I think that's I think that's about right. But it's definitely the right range. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, Gibson's at sixty one right now. Yeah, but that includes relief pitchers, right? No. Like some guys that have starting pitching and oh, yeah, yeah, I guess so. I guess so. And then there are some that are up there that are don't belong up there because they've been out all year. So I would bet that probably puts you right around forty seven or forty eight. Who would you rather have before going forward? Who would you rather have um, first, Andrew Miller, Hendricks, or Keuchel? Hendricks. Actually, I give me the starting pitchers over Miller. Both starters over Miller, Pat. Yeah, then give me both because really pitching is so volatile. Yeah, and I feel like I can. I mean, Andrew Miller hasn't been excellent, and I feel like I can get someone that's just having a great year right now. Yeah, I mean, like. If Will Smith wasn't getting saves, he was virtually unowned last year. Yeah, time. I mean, it, what about Kirby Yates? Yeah. Right? Like, so. And he's got some upside. I mean, yeah. like, there is a chance Brad Ann gets traded. Yeah, so. I'd rather – give me the starters. Yeah, I'd rather take the shot on the starters. Okuna just buried the Yankees. Damn it. All right, let's move to Trevor Bauer. We haven't discussed Bauer much at all, but he deserves some attention. Based on the second half last year and first half of this year, are you ready to call Bauer an ace? And if redrafting today, where would you put him among the starting pitchers? All right, Joe, I'm going to let you go first. Sure. Yeah, are you are you moping about the Yankees right now? Um, I'm just annoyed that Acuna is like running the bases and cursing at players as he – <laughs> if we had Brian McCann right now, there would be a team roll. What is going on? Old man yells at Cloud <laughs> on the podcast today. Go ahead. All right. all right. So as far as Bauer goes, it's nice to see that all the studying and analytics finally paid off. And despite his smack talk against the Astros, um, it's just really nice to see a player really digging in and trying to get better and succeeding. Um, he's just a different pitcher now with the slider and cutter working for him. And I do think he's a legit ace. Sure, the 5.3% home to fly ball rate is going to regress. But even still, he'll be like a 2.9 or 3.0 ERA guy instead of his minuscule 2.45 right now. Um, as far as where he'd go next year, I'd, I'm going to guess that he's going to be, you know, right around 10. 10 overall? 10, yeah, starting pitcher, yep. Um, so yeah, listen, I've always been a huge fan of Bowers. He's obviously got the breaking stuff. Everyone's starting to see it now. How crazy that slider it is. It's absolutely unhittable. Um, he's got other really good swing and miss pitches in his repertoire. Yeah, the now. Curveballs the curve balls. Yeah, the curve balls. So right now the swinging strike percentage on the curve balls, 15, six, the slider is 20.1. The cutter is 20, 20.5 and the change, which is kind of like his show me pitch is a 13.8. 
So he's just accumulating all the swing and miss. There's no reason to doubt that the K per nine is going to come down. Um, I think he's definitely a future ace. And uh, next year, I don't, I don't want to sound like a madman, but he might be a top five pitcher overall. And I might put him top five overall. I love him. I don't think he's going to go top five, but yeah, I think like well, the seven, eight. Well, you know what range. it is? It, it, the, the thing is this, it's the, not, the five is where it becomes questionable. Like you've got your top four guys. And then the fifth guy is where you're like, um, and Bauer enters the realm of possibility. Like if yeah. you look at the guy, so you have, you have Kershaw, Scherzer, Carrasco, and well, maybe Carrasco, maybe Syndergaard. They're both injured again. Yeah. Well, you got, DeGrom, you got DeGrom, Kluber, and I think Verlander, cause he's got the track record. All right, and that's it. And right yeah, there is where... I agree. So, like, we're, like, at, like, seven-ish. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, it's it's amazing to me because I hear the name Scherzer, and I know I've said this about Bauer before, that I believe there was a non-zero chance that he was Max Scherzer. Uh, and and not that he's going to get there the same way that Scherzer has, but just it could take some time. And and we've been a podcast that has consistently oh said, man, we really like Trevor Bauer. We literally we really, said that. We really believe that it's in there. It's yeah. just so For frustrating. You. And it was the same thing with Max Scherzer. If you go back and you look at Scherzer's early career, it was the exact same thing. Um, but I mean, go back 365 days, 272 ERA, 286 fit, 323 X fit, 10.83 Ks per nine and a 0.73 homers per nine. Now uh, he's definitely taking a step forward. There's, there's no denying that Nick, great stuff on the, um, the pitches and the, and the width rate on those pitches. Um, the command has stepped up. He's finally harnessed the pitch mix into a form that works. Um, that's always been one of the bugaboos with Bauer is that he tinkers too much and he had too many pitches. He's finally found a, a set that works for him. Um, you know, as far as the rest of the season, the Homer monster is going to come. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got a point a zero point four homer per nine. I don't know right about now. That. Well, what do you that's mean double? By, that's double or by, triple what he's done in his career. Well, what do you mean by homer monster? Like, how, like that sounds like you're like how? What are we talking? Give me a number. Probably like league average, like ten percent instead of five percent. Yeah, okay. he's All not right. twice. He's not twice or three times as good as he's ever been at giving up home runs. Okay, that's fine. It's going. It's going to come back up which would put him more in like a, the low threes in terms of his ERA result. But you add that to 10 plus K per nine. The fact that he's got a rubber arm, knock on wood. Um, he's a guy that has accumulated innings and always been able to throw innings. So he's going to have volume. That's easily a top 15 starter profile. And I agree with you. I think if I was redrafting today, I'd have a very hard time not getting him into my top 10 just based upon what we've seen for the last year, um, the durability, the team that he's on. Yeah. I mean, you got to remember he's got Lindor. Yeah. Well, and and, and defensively they're very good. Oh yeah. True. So 
yeah, I'm, I'm in, I, I think that this is what we've all been sort of waiting to happen. And, you know, some of us probably gave up at some point, yeah. <laughs> which I don't, which no. I don't fault you for, uh, because it has been a long time coming. I remember us talking about him on our, on the starting pitching show and we were like, Oh man, like we kind of want to believe, but yeah. do we like, yeah. <laughs> well, you had to pay up for him this year. Yeah. It was like 38 or 37, yeah. if I remember correctly. And that's, yeah, it was, it was, low, it was like mid to high thirties and that's not a cheap price for a guy that's, been like a four plus ERA pitcher for his entire career and deserved it. Yeah. It's, just, it's not like, it's not like the uh, peripherals were so much better. I mean, he was like a four and a half ERA guy yeah. consistently. And he had a hot second half and it was just a matter of whether or not he was going to sustain it. And he sustained it and even more. Yeah. And plus he was like, he, he poo pooed the, the slider. He was like, oh, on on Twitter, he was like, oh yeah, I'm not gonna throw that. Oh yeah, the cutter. Well, it's like almost, the, it's like it was the same. Yeah, pitch. it's a little bit of the different pitch, but that's. <laughs> yeah, but he was like, oh, I'm not gonna throw it anymore. Well, he trolled everyone, so. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a weird dude, you know. <laughs> All right, let's move to Freddie Peralta. Um, we also need to discuss Peralta, who was dismissed after a bad start in mid-May but returned with a vengeance for two dominant starts before a sort of middling effort on Sunday. Are we seeing something now that makes us think Peralta is legit? Or is this just more smoke and mirrors? Um, I'm going to let you guys take this while I go visit the urinal ferry. Okay, cool. Yeah, so Peralta is so interesting to me. So he's got to be the poster boy for the case that – Fastballs all come down to spin rate and nothing else. Because with a 91 mile per hour average velocity, but a 24-33 RPM on the fastball, which, mind you, is higher than Garrett Cole and Charlie Morton, two pitchers that have completely revitalized their careers. And despite how crazy it is to think, based on traditional thinking, that he wouldn't succeed, he's doing it. Um. It's just it's hard for me to to think that with, he's just you know just being a two pitch pitcher he'll continue to succeed um, as a reliever I think he can get away with it but seeing the pitch you know a, f- a few at bats I think generally speaking MLB players are going to be able to adjust and that's not to say that the curveball is a slouch it's got a twenty a greater than twenty percent whiff rate and his whiff rate overall is fifteen percent it's just. I don't know, man. I don't know how long you can keep it up throwing your fastball 80% of the time, despite how elite it is. Yeah. Joe, can you take a look while I give my take? I'm just curious. Where does he sit in terms of spin rate relative to J-Hat? Sure. So – Players that succeed despite being so reliant on the fastball are pretty few and far between. Um, you know, a couple of names that come to mind, Bartolo Colon, Lance Lynn, um, Jay Happ, who, who Joe's going to take a look at. Um, you know, they're, they're, it's just not a profile that works that often. Uh, you know, a name that always comes to mind to me, because he was a player that I bought in on big time. Oh, <laughs> <was Tony> no. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
who had, you know, that amazing starting stretch for Cincinnati a couple of years ago and, you know, just fell out of favor and inevitably ended up in the bullpen. Um, but, you know, it, it's it's not meant to be all bad, even with Singrani's story. You know, Singrani put it together for a full, pretty much a full season. So there is a chance that even if Peralta isn't Lance Lynn or Jay Happ or Bartolo Colon, that he, he can manage this and find his way through, um, you know, the, the league a few more times and put together a really nice year. Like we're at that kind of point now where it, it's not, it, it's not April. So he can find his way around the league and still succeed. I mean, he's got this outrageous swing strike rate. Um, the one thing that jumps out to me immediately is the homer to fly ball rate. It's not going to stick. I, he's got a 5.3 homer, homer to fly ball rate in Milwaukee. That's, that's going to come up. But he could be like a, a high threes, maybe mid threes ERA guy with a, with a good amount of Ks. He's going to have some issues with the walks because he loses his command and he loses his control a little bit, even though he only really throws the fastball. Um, so, like, that's a dangerous combo and could lead to some really big blow-up outings. So he, he is a sort of um, – high variant starting pitcher where if he's on, he could get you 13 Ks. If he's off, he could go two innings and give up eight runs. So you need to prepare yourself for that as well. But I think that he's worth a shot just to see if he can put together a Singrani type run. So right. Peralta was 24, 33. J-App is 23.35. So he's got more spin than J-App. Okay. Where is Hap relative to, like, the leaderboard? I don't actually know. I tried to look up uh, the spin rate leaders, and I couldn't find a place that reliably had it. Um, Yeah, I just know Hap is throwing from last week when we talked about him is throwing his fastball, like, 80% of the time. Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's exactly the same. I'm almost positive that Garrett Cole is in that same sort of range, like 2,300, 2,350 or so. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it just the, the, the conventional baseball watcher in me, it feels dirty to be like, oh, yeah, you can get by with just a fastball and a breaking ball as a starter. But, I mean, there's, there's got to be, there's, I mean, People have done studies, and there's definitely a correlation between spin rate and fastball success. Yeah, so Cole's at 23.45. So, I mean, I, it's hard not to buy it. It's hard not to buy it, for real. <laughs> yeah, the only thing, the only thing is, is exactly what I had said is he doesn't have the command – True. Yeah, or and control the that some of those other guys do. Yeah. Well, it's not just the homers. It's it's a, it's the combination of the two. So he loses the zone, walks a couple of guys, grooves one in there at ninety, and you know he's he's wrecked your ERA and your WHIP for the week. Um, 
So that's the downside. But as long as you're aware of it, I mean, maybe you can find your way around it based on matchup. Um, you, you know, imagine, right, Freddie Peralta for four innings and then Hater for like three, and then you just fill in two more innings somehow. I mean, that's like a nasty combo. Yeah, but I want to see Hater throw like six or seven. <laughs> <laughs> Get greedy. I really want to see it. All right. Well, Nick's not back, so he doesn't get to say that Freddie Peralta. Let's move it to Zach Eflin. Um, this is another one that no one saw coming. Is Eflin legit? And can you rely on him as a number three in your rotation going forward? You start us off on this one, Pat. I, I think he's legit. Um, yeah, he's, got a velo, he's got a velo boost. He's pushed the curve usage into the slider and the change. Um, he's also relying on his four seam as opposed to his two seam. Ten percent, ten plus percent swing strike rate means to me that like the the K rate is pretty for real. It might not be, it might not quite be nine, uh, you know, a strike up earning, but it, it, that's in the ballpark. It'll definitely be around eight and a half per nine. Um, he's exhibited good control, and he's done an excellent job of keeping hitters off balance which is reflected in the contact profile. It's very light on hard contact. The team around him is good. Eflin reminds me a lot of Zach Godley's 2017. So I'm not sure I'm buying him long-term, but for the rest of this year, I'm in. And, you know, it's a really simple sort of formula. If you start to see the velo tick down in a couple of starts um, and he's still getting the results, just know that Eflin could be in trouble and it might be time to sell then. But given the state of pitching, even with the sort of out of nowhere risk, the idea that this could end at any time, I view Eflin as like a top 40 arm right now. Yeah. I mean, you've pretty much, I, I pretty much have exactly the same, same points as you. <sighs> the, the pitching, the pitching mix, the whiff rate, the nine K per nine, that'll probably be around eight and a half or to nine. It should stick for the most part. Um, the shoot, what did I want to say? Oh yeah. The one thing I want, I wanted to mention is with the increased velo, there was a significant mechanical change, right? The vertical release point changed, which is good, right? That, that means that there was an actual change that, that gives us a good reason to think that all this stuff will stick. And I'm with you. Eflin's definitely real. Nick, we moved off Freddie Peralta because you took too long. What do you think about Eflin? Yeah, sorry. I thought it was going to be P, but then, you know, you know, sometimes it just happens. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so with Peralta, um, I, listen, I like him. I like the K potential. Anyone who's got potential to hover, like, over 12.75 K per nine is, is valuable, in my opinion, especially if he can maintain the walks, which um, so far this year, 3.90, that's maintaining the walks. That's very Robbie Ray-esque. So I'm in on Peralta. As far as Eflin goes... I, I heard the end of Joey spiel just now, and I agree. I think that um, he is for real. What's really nice about a guy – I mean, the fact that he's striking out nine per nine is is nice. I think it is going to come down a little bit. I, I don't think um, – I don't have his swinging strike percentages in front of me, but I believe that they're a little bit lower and that he's more of like an eight point – like right around eight, just above eight as far as Ks per nine. Do you guys agree with that? Yeah, we both said that he was probably about an eight and a half K per nine guy. Yeah, I, the actual whiff rate's ten and a half percent. So that's not bad. 
No, it's not bad. I was going to say like eight two five, but yeah, I think he'll he'll come down a little bit. But it's but it doesn't really matter too much because controlling the command is so good. He doesn't yeah. walk guys. Um, so that the I think the ERA, I don't think it's going to say a three point zero two. I think it'll go up and maybe he'll end the year around like three point four zero. But still, three four zero is a nice number this day and age, and it's going to go with really good ratio. So I'm in on both guys. All right. Well. Who would you rather have? Would you rather have Eflin or Peralta if you had to make uh, a choice? Eflin, not even close. Well, it's it's kind of team comp based as well. I mean, if you need the K's, if you're in the K's league, you want Peralta. Let's say needs are let's say needs are neutral. Okay, so vacuum. Yeah, whoever you like better uh, overall. Peralta is my kind of pitcher. Um, I like Eflin better. I'm going yeah. Eflin too. It's 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 tough. Um, Eflin's kind of was Luke Weaver esque. I, I I don't know. I'm gonna I'm. I'll I'll go with Eflin. It's just again, it's just so hard to trust eighty twenty usage. It's just like yeah. so hard. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that moves us to Jake Junis. We were pretty big advocates, at least Nick and I were. And we looked pretty smart for a little while. But the wheels have gone off track. Yeah, I was very sure. It got got much worse tonight. (laughs) (laughs) So is this this bad luck or regression? Are you trying to buy low? Um, All right. So, yeah. So what we said about Junus was this, um, that right before our draft, he shot up our rankings. It happened to me like the night before our draft. And I believe Pat, you said the same thing. Like it was the night before, or like that, that week. That yeah, he it shot. was, it was roughly, you know, the few days before it. So draft week, right around Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah. Um, and there were some reasons for it. Uh, last year he looked good. Um, that he had, he showed good command. He showed good control. He had a nice swinging strike rate on the slider. The slider is still good. Um, but he switched up his pitch mix this year. He's throwing the slider more than anything else. Last year, the four-seamer was his number one pitch. This year, it's the slider, um, and it's not working. He needs to go back and make a change. He needs to go four-seamer, slider, sinker. He needs to ch- change this up. Um, I'd like to see him throw the change up more. Uh, he's a guy that I, I believe in the stuff, and I still like him. Um, he's just 25 years old. But this year, it's not going to happen. He needs an offseason to work on his stuff, to change the pitch mix, and he'll be fine. But the rest of the way, no, I'm not buying him low right now. I'm actually probably going to drop him in our league, in our home league, where pitching is uh, – uh, what's the word I'm looking for to describe the pitching in our league? Premium? No. Abysmal? Like, what's the waiver wire like? Graveyard. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's a disaster. And, and so that just goes to show you how much I – kind of don't believe in what Junis is doing right now, that I'm willing to drop him where he's going to be among the Jordan Zimmermans of the world and the uh, God only knows who else is on that freaking waiver wire right now. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't believe right now, but I believe in the future. I like the kid. I like this stuff. He just needs a change. Yeah, I don't really have much to add. I have the same sort of, sort of notes. Um, I just think he's trying, to, he's trying to be too cute right now, and Junis has to be in the zone in order to succeed. So, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, I, I think there's some bad luck, but I think it's mostly regression. The fastball has been inconsistent with its velocity, and it's been bad overall. And that's basically left him as a one-pitch pitcher with the slider. 
And it's a really good pitch, but it's not good enough to, you know, live on by itself. It's um, only like 15% whiff rate, which isn't actually all that good for a breaking ball. Yeah, but it's got good shape. Yeah, it's not elite, though. No. Good. No, but this is this is what ends up happening, you know, when you don't have it's it's not like i said it, it's a it's a good pitch it's not it's not a elite pitch and he doesn't have anything else around it yeah true so it plays down because everything yeah. else around it is so bad totally um he probably deserves better than he's gotten against righties um but he's definitely got some pain coming against lefties uh arsenal's lacking bad team I'm just not interested like I was pre-draft. I, I, you know, if if the if the fastball found the velocity and it was consistent, I mean, there were games this year where he was up to like 98, 99 as like a max. If he could, you know, get to like that sort of level, um, he doesn't even have to go to like 99, you know, like consistently. But like if he's sitting mid-90s consistently and then touching those upper 90s, I think it's a profile that could work with just the two pitches because I think the slider is good enough in that case. But if he's going to be low 90s, he's got to find a third pitch. Like, that's that's all there is to it. Okay, well, that wraps us up for Around the Time, and we're going to move to Nick's blind resumes. Nick got upset when he found out we did blind resumes with Adam last week, so he's going to do his tonight. Kick it off, Nick. All right. Okay, so first player, and this is not going to be comped with anyone else. I'm going to give you a player, and it's just to kind of highlight the guy because I don't think we've, we've talked about him. We used to love him. I'll give you that hint right now. Used to love the guy. Um, and right now he's completely, I think, flying under the radar. I haven't heard his name. I haven't heard whispers. He's just there, and he's doing his thing. So here's the guy. Um, 36 innings pitched, 39 Ks. 0.99 ERA, 0.74 whip, eight saves, and has not given up a hit in over a month. Who is that player? Hmm. Eight saves. Eight, eight saves, 39 Ks, 36 innings pitched, 0.99 ERA, 0.74 whip, and has not given up a single hit in the last month. Full calendar oh, Felipe Vasquez? Nope. No, it's it's Kyle Barracla. It's Kyle Barracla. Oh, yeah. Um, so so what's happening with, with Barracla right now, I think, is he's getting the bad team closer, um, like, shame, where people are just not paying attention. It's a bad team. He's not going to get the save opportunities. But he's been pitching so well. And he's a guy who, um, the year before or last, we were – all on board with him, correct? Because I was, I loved him. Were you guys with me on that? Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, we all loved him. Yep. So the stuff is absolutely dirty. He's got the job now. The only issue is, is if, he get, if he gets traded, and I don't see, I don't know how he's not already traded, but if he stays there, he's going to continue to be a decent source of saves, but a good source of whip, ERA, ratios, everything else. So put Bear Claw on your, on your list of guys to target if you're in need of saves. I, I like him a lot right now as a buyer. Yeah, you know it's pretty stupid though that I think the Marlins have expressed that they're not looking to move him. Yeah, it's, it's, it's what sense does that make? 
It's so dumb. It's like I've heard. I I read today that they've gotten nibbles on him, Steckenrider, and Adam Conley. They've got to blow everyone up, and they're all and they could get a lot for those guys. Yeah, definitely Bearclaw. Definitely Bearclaw. Definitely Steckenrider. Yeah, I mean, I mean, even Adam Conley's been great. Yeah, Conley's been good. Conley's been good. Um, so yeah, so do you guys agree with that though? Bearclaw should be on people's radars right now. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, yeah he's totally. Yeah. And he's actually good. Yeah. All right, next guy. Two point nine six ERA, one point two one WHIP, twenty seven innings pitched, thirty one Ks, seventeen saves. Hmm. Can you repeat the ERA and the WHIP? ERA is two point nine six. WHIP is one point two one. He's thrown 27 innings, but 31 Ks, 17 saves. That's too low an ERA for Boxberger. Is it Fernando Rodney? It's Fernando. Oh, you know what? Oh, I know my closers. Guys, we are dumb. We are stupid. We're not dumb. So, all right. So here's my point. We are all obviously not Fernando Rodney guys. Mm -hmm. I don't know if there is such a thing as a Fernando Rodney guy. Um, there is. There is actually. People just go to drafts and they buy him and they like bank 30 saves every year. So, and everybody, every day go up to the board, everybody laughs at them and then they just bank 30 bank. saves. Okay. So, so this being the, you know, we laugh about Rodney. We laugh about him because he is, he has these meltdowns that are incomparable. You cannot compare them to other meltdowns. He'll come in with like, a three-run lead, and it'll wind up. They wind up losing like, like nine-three. <laughs> <laughs> like they'll be up three-run, they're losing like nine-three. He just has those blow-up starts. So, so far this year, he's been really good, and he's getting the saves. So, what are your guys' thoughts on Rodney right now? Where does he rank amongst your closers? Do you trust him? Would you buy him? Give me some insight into Rodney. Well, he just blew a save. Yes, I but- do not trust him. Definitely okay. don't trust him. I wouldn't say no if he was a sweetener in a deal. You know, if it was two players of reasonably comparable value and I needed a little more and somebody threw me Rodney as the sweetener. Mm-hmm. Um, because I've sort of come around to the idea that, like, you know, he's a perennially – undervalued asset because everybody thinks the wheels are going to fall off. And at some point they will. Uh, I mean, father time comes for everybody and he hasn't been great every year for the last like five years. It's just, you know, he's, he's getting the opportunities and he still has the ability to go on these runs where he's good and useful. So there's no reason to, you know, sandbag him and trash him like, we and others tend to do. Um, so I, I think that's the extent that I'm interested. I mean, like, yeah, I'll, I'll take the saves if somebody wants to give them to me, but I'm not actively going out and trying to buy him because even in that line, Nick, I mean, the 1.21 whip doesn't line up with like the sub three ERA. No, it doesn't. Um, but I just think that, I think that his really big blow up starts are kind of why we have this idea that he's such a bad pitcher where we don't look at how consistent he is like sometimes. 
Yeah, that's fair. I mean, you, I, I like, I like the blind resume, right? Because we poo poo on him, but I mean, seventeen saves or seventeen saves—that's hard to pass up. Yeah, he had thirty-nine saves last year. He's on pace again. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, so people keep giving him the job. All right. So here's my question, and this is why I did Rodney after. So Rodney is a guy who's going to. Um, you know, let's just say he finishes with last year's line, which is 4.23 ERA, 1.19 whip, 39 saves, um, 65 Ks in 55 innings. He's pretty That's much. That's a lot of pain that's coming. Yeah, but he's on he's on pace for that. So having said that, the 39 saves is where where he makes his money. Wait, let me let me just clarify. Are you saying he's like a four something ERA pitcher from this point forward? Or are you saying he's going to end up there? No, I, think I have to absorb the pain. I think he's that going comes to, with him getting there. I, if I my projection is that he'll end up with like a three point six ish ERA. Okay, so you're saying he'll be right around four one rest yeah. of the way. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but but my question is this: Would you rather have Rodney, who is going to get you, you know, let's just say he gets you the thirty nine saves again, and it's going to come with an eh, ERA, a mediocre WHIP. You know, the numbers I just gave you, or would you rather have Bearclaw, who is going to be money as far as ERA, whip ratios go, but not get you as many saves? Who would you rather have going forward is the question. I think right now I would rather have Rodney because I have more faith that Rodney is going to continue. Well, actually, no. No, because Rodney can get traded because the Twins are bad. There's a couple of things here, right? Bearclaw can get traded and not be in a closer's position. That's probably very likely. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. So can Rodney. Um, And Rodney has – Rodney's got – what's his name? Hildenberger behind him. I mean, he's been all right. Uh, Give me the skills. I'm with Pat. Give me Bearclaw. So you're taking Barraclaw. Okay, so almost probably close to half. Well, I don't want to say half the saves going forward, but definitely less saves, but with the better ratios. I was just well, curious. I, oh, I'm, I'm thinking that they're both getting treated. Okay. That's where right. I'm coming at with that. Okay. Yeah. And I don't I'm, think either one is good enough that they're going into a closer role when they get traded. Yeah, See, right, because if, if we knew for certain that they'd both be closing – for their respective teams right now, then I think you'd have to take Minnesota because Minnesota probably still gets more save opportunities than Miami. Okay. I don't know that I agree that I would take. See, like I, when I initially ran the question through my mind, I was thinking Minnesota is okay. Like Rodney will close the rest of the year, but no, Minnesota is pretty bad. So I think they're both likely to get traded. The only analysis where I take Rodney over Bearclaw is where Rodney is keeping the saves and Bearclaw, Bearclaw is not. Gets traded. Yeah. Okay. That's fair, too. Okay. So, so I, the reason why I wanted to bring this up was just to gauge what you guys felt about how valuable saves are versus less saves and stats. Yeah, good, good, good. This is, it a, is a good call. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. So, next blind resume. Player A, 12 home runs, 271 average, 802 OPS. Do you want me to do both together? You want to try and guess who that is first? Both. 
I think, you know what? Try and guess this one first because that's going to be too much stats. 12 home runs, 271, 802. You got nothing yep. else? 50, 50 RBIs. Um, and what else would you like besides that? Anything else you want to hear? A position maybe? I don't know. Does that give it away? Um, can't give position. Um, uh, so 271 average, 802 OPS, 12 home runs, 50 RBIs, 321. 321 what? Sorry? 321 at bats. 321 at bats. 50 ribbies. Hmm. Is this Miguel Andujar? No. 12 home runs? No. Oh, is it Gleyber Torres? Nope. It is a first baseman. Last, last clue. 12, 278. Oh, Jose Martinez? Nope. No. I'm dead. Jose's been better than that. Is this – no, can't be. Uh, is it Jose Abreu? It's Jose Abreu. Oh, wow, that's three in a row. Damn, Pat, you're well, killing Well, they had 15 guesses. Relax. I guessed twice um, that time. That's <laughs> fine. Joey guessed – come on. All right, whatever. All right, you got it. So that's Jose Abreu. All right, player B, Um, 17 home runs, 273 average. 1.024 OPS, two stolen bases. Seventeen homers, two steals. If I give you average? the next two seventy three, two seventy three. Do they play the same position? Yes. Okay. 273. I want to uh, guess, huh? Guessing is the funnest part. Uh, I I am like drawing All a right. blank. All right. Here's the and I, here's the biggest hint and the craziest part of it. 17 home runs, 273 average, 1.024 OPS, two stolen bases, bases, and it's in 176 at bats. Uh, is it Max Muncy? Max Muncy. Boom. All right. Nice. I don't know if you guys discussed him last week. I'm we, sure we, you did. Yo, we've talked about Max Muncy. We talked, yeah, we talked quite a bit times. about Max Muncy, yeah. Must have been out on those. He's going to get second base. Yeah, that's – He's um, going to play him in second base. All right. So, <laughs> so here's my question. Because here's the thing. I looked at Max, Max Muncy, right? Obviously, the numbers are absolutely insane and limited at bats. Not only the, the, the stat cast, and the exit velo is 92 miles per hour and the angle 17.2. So it's going to continue as far as the power goes. As far as the, everything else, he's walking at 20%. Yeah. That's insanity. You Those are people. literally, you're in the church right now preaching to the choir. All right. So, <laughs> so my question is this. All right. So Muncie to me, and he, and he passes the eye test. Muncie to me, right now looks like an absolute 100% stud. Like, stud, stud, I am in love with this guy. So, right now, who are you taking, Abreu or Muncie? Muncie has crazy eligibility, dude. You'd be crazy not to take Muncie. Really? So, all right, 
So no, no I think I'm taking a Brayu still. Well, Brayu has the average, so yeah. yeah I think I'm taking a Brayu and the track record because a Brayu is gonna have like 50 points of batting average. But right? Muncie is legit. Joe, who was it that we were comping him to the other day when we had Toby on? Votto. Uh, God no. No, there was it was two guys, and it was Muncie versus Rendon. Oh yeah. Yeah, and and I picked Muncie over Rendon. Hmm. Rendon's been really good lately. And I think you took Rendon, Joe. I think you've changed your mind, though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because this week he popped off again. And second base, man. Like, the extra eligibility, that's crazy. So Yeah, dude, right. dude has four positions now. So, yeah, the reason why I brought him up was because I'm really curious as to how much we're buying in. Um, non-keeper league rest of way this year you got a you have a veteran in a brayu who you know is going to produce who got hurt tonight but he's fine he just bounced the ball off his foot yeah um, but who you know is going to end up right around 30 home runs right around 280 plus average he'll get the rbi somehow on the, the white Sox. he'll get the good ops you know what you're going to get but the upside in muncie right now is looking like bellinger of last year or the year before last whichever year it was that he uh came up so yeah, the the big difference is the batting average. Pat, I mean Pat. Pat poured some cool water on my hype, and for good reason. I, I mean, you know, Muncie's gonna be like two fifty, two fifty five, two sixty at best ish. I think rest of the way, and Abreu's just gonna bat like two ninety, two ninety five, easy. And he's still gonna get like hundred RBIs, I think. So there was yeah. There was no comps to Vado. I'm surprised that no one threw Vado out when talking about Muncie. Well, no, we were we were like you know, it wasn't it wasn't we were comparing them. We were comparing like who we want who we would want, whether we would want Rendon or Muncie. And Joe picked Rendon. You picked Muncie. I picked Muncie. Um, that's a really good line. Because like I'd, I'd rather have Abreu, and then Abreu was like a I guess a ADP first rounder this year, where Rendon is probably an ADP fourth fifth rounder. So it's yeah, that one step Rendon. up, and and I think that's kind of the line. Um, yeah, like, I was gonna say Muncie's Muncie's like a top fifty, top sixty asset right now, in my opinion. Yeah, Abreu's yeah. like a top. He's like thirty five to forty, and then Rendon's like right behind him. I don't know what I the Rendon thing. I have to really think about. It's uh, that's tough. That's definitely the line. Oh come on, dude! There's four positions involved. If it's close, I, it's really not that close. You have to give okay. it to the guy with four positions. Yeah, at least in my opinion, I like that was what I said when we talked because yeah. I was I was like they're close, but and I believe Rendon has a hot streak in him. Yeah, yeah, Rendon's Rendon's actually getting hot right now. I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm playing him this week, so Anthony Rendon owns my life. <laughs> so start him every day this week in DFS. Because yeah. when I played him last year, he had that three homer, eleven RBI game. It cost me a week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just never forget like, that. I'm wondering like like how this guy went under the radar because like right now. I'm oh scared. no, it was there's no radar, dude. It's Justin Turner, man. What do you mean? It, it's someone saying, "Hey." You know, you're a, a mechanical tweak away from being really good. Yeah, but in AAA last year, he had a. He showed some pop. 
Um, and he had a 14.2% walk rate, which seen is going to come down, but that's, it's such a good sign. I mean, for a young kid in his first real, real call up to, to, to have this kind of patience at the plate. It's, it's, it's amazing. Um, all right. So we all have Pat, Pat, what? I just like to mention that next year when the next Dodger does this, we are going to, we are going to bid a billion fab. Yeah. This is the second time that we found them. We found them and we were like too slow. Second time. So we're not waiting next year. Nope. Okay. Sorry. All right. Next plan resume. Oh, you got one more? Got one oh, more. Nice. Yeah. All right. So uh, I'm going to give you play right and 276 at bats, 12 home runs, 250 batting average, 802 OPS. Got that? Mm-hmm. And he has a couple of positions of eligibility. Um, mm-hmm. Player B has 15 home runs, is batting 288 with an 895 OPS. In just 212 at bats. Now, player B is going to be a little bit easier than player A. Jeez, I suck. I suck at these. Pat, I was better Can at guessing you yours. For repeat the homers for player B. Player B has 15, 15 home runs in 212 at bats with a 288 average and an 895 OPS. Hmm. I mean, player player B is. I know it's it's difficult, but if you think about the at bats versus the production, you should I'm, probably be able to come up with it. I'm I'm leading Gleyber Torres on player B. Oh, you got it, Gleyber Torres. Boom. Okay. All right. Well, now since I'm going for the sweep, you have to give me player one one more time. Okay. If I get this. You should buy me a sandwich. <laughs> I'll buy you a sandwich. Um, player was 200. Oh, no. Nick is like, breaking up. You're breaking up. <laughs> oh, am I? Um, yeah. Sorry. Uh, can you hear me now good? Yeah. yeah. All right. Player A was 276 at-bats. Oh, I know. I think I know runs. who A is. Who? A. Correa? No. No, he said he's got, oh, he's got multiple positions. Oh, that's what he said. Okay, yeah. sorry. Um, that's all right. So 12 home runs, 250 batting average, we'll 802. Let the expert do it. <laughs> Any idea? <laughs> it, this one's a little tough. Yeah, uh, it is. You want one hit? You want one hit? Yeah, give me one hint. I'll give, I'll give you two little ones. NL... Okay. And a guy that everybody loves. You can't not love the guy. He's on my team. I'm blanking out. No, I'm blanking out. All right, it's Anthony Rizzo. Ah. Damn. So, so angry to have lost on that one. <laughs> that's a, that's a I'm buy my own sandwich now. <laughs> um, so I so just to highlight um Glyber. Glyber or Glaber going forward. Yeah. Going forward. Um in 
in comparison to where we look at Muncie versus Abreu, uh, this is a similar situation where it's Rizzo versus Gleyber. Um, Gleyber absolutely looks <laughs> insane, and the hype was real. Um, if you watched him, he certainly passes the eye test. Not only does he pass the eye test, he passes the stat test. He's been absolutely ridiculous. Um, the exit velo is good. The launch angle is good. Everything is good about this kid right now. Max Muncy just went deep again, guys, by the way. What? Max Muncy just went deep again. Nick King getting beat up. Unbelievable. Um, so, um, so, so where, and the, the Cubs are having, they have a good team. It's not a great team. Bryant in the DL, Rizzo was injured. Um, he's kind of been hot and cold all year. My question is, who would you rather have going forward, first of all? Torres or Rizzo? Oh, Rizzo. Definitely Rizzo. Joe? See, man. I don't think it's I don't think it's definitely Rizzo. Pat. I don't think so and, either. And I, and I back, love Rizzo. Man, the back. Yeah, I, I I love Rizzo. Yo, but he's popped off since the injury. So I, yeah, I'm with Rizzo too, actually. Um I mean, dude, his if you throw out his March and April, he's been great. Yeah, he's been great. Um, but Rizzo, even last year, um, and throughout so far throughout his career, he's kind of been up and down. Like you don't know what to really expect from power. You don't know really what, what to expect from average. Um, and last year, he was healthy for a full season. He went 32-10-273, right? The 30-10 guys, I think, are a lot easier to come by these days than a guy like what, what Torres can do. And so the question is, what can Torres do? Um, I think that, like, in a full season, this is a guy who could go, like, 30, 30, 20, 30, 20, maybe 20 plus. But with, like, a right. question. Nick, you're, you're really starting to break up, dude. Yeah, you're starting to break up a lot. So let's 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 right. wrap it here. Joe, what do you think on this as far as this comp goes? I know you said that you would take Rizzo, but what are your thoughts on Gliber? Well, I want to pull up, if you give me a second, I'd like to pull up Rizzo's stats from when Gliber got uh, called up, which was on April 22nd. So give me a second. Sure. Okay, I'll give my take while you put yes, that up. Sorry, because I know where I'm going with it. Okay. Um, so, as as you've said, Joe Rizzo came back from the injury. He's been very good since. I have no doubt that Rizzo is going to be a very very good uh, player from here on out. You know, barring re-injury. When it comes to Gliber, he has been much better than I ever thought he was going to be as as, as a rookie. But. Let's also not forget that sometimes and usually young players struggle their second time around the league. Um, there gets there becomes a book on them, and then suddenly they're not this exceptional, outstanding talent that they you know have portrayed themselves to be. And it's not that they're not exceptional or outstanding talents. It's just their production doesn't reach those levels um, that Torres is reaching his first time around the league. Um, 
So I expect Gliber to cool off some. Um, you know, we saw it with Andujar. Came out like a house of fire. League adjusted. Andujar got hot again. And we'll see if he if the league makes another adjustment to him. And I think that Gliber is going to see something similar where the league will start to pitch him a little bit differently and he might struggle as a result. Whereas I have no doubt that Rizzo, you know, barring injury is going to be, you know, a borderline elite player. All right. So <clears throat> since April 22nd, Gliber obviously what Nick said, 15 home runs, 288, 895, right? Rizzo in 232 at bats, right? So a little less in the at bats. Than, uh, than his full season, obviously. 11 home runs, 272 batting average, and 830 OPS. So it's all generally closer. Viber still has the upper hand. Um, but it just goes to show you that, you know, that despite how incredibly hot Gliber was, Rizzo's still pretty damn good. Yeah, and that's with everybody having a book on Rizzo already. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, Pat. I'm taking Rizzo over Torres. Okay, guys, that's going to wrap it up for us tonight. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week. We hope you enjoy the 4th of July. Guys, let them know where they can find you. You can find me at Nick FWO, never tweeting. But Nate Orf is up. Ooh, I'm going to start tweeting. <laughs> you can find me at Joe FWO, occasionally tweeting. Did he play? Wait, did, did he, he play? Did. He did. He went zero for five. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, the O in his name is actually a zero. Oh <laughs> damn! Shots fired. Lay off, my boy. And you can find me at Patrick FWO, also occasionally tweeting. Thanks so much for listening again, guys. Enjoy the Fourth of July. We will be back next week. Peace out. Lay off, nasty Nate. This is my bitch now. Choosing an energy company raises many questions. Constellation can answer all of them with energy solutions that fit your needs. Energy made efficient, simple, insightful, and flexible. That's what makes Constellation America's energy choice. Learn more at constellation.com energy.